Have you ever dreamed of one day owning your own business, but just don't know where to begin? Then you've tuned into the right show. On All Things Franchising, you will hear from top national franchisers, successful franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, and others who support this fast-growing business model. So grab a cup of coffee and pen and notepad because you will want to capture the invaluable information you hear on today's show. And now, here is your host, Linda Ballesteros. Hey folks, welcome to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Ballesteros. I'm your host today. I appreciate you finding some time in your busy day to spend with me. You know, as I always say, time is that one commodity that you just can't get back. So when someone spends some time with you, be sure to be grateful for that. I recently read an article and um, it went something like this. Companies don't mean to place employees in the wrong position, but it happens. Rapid growth, sudden vacancies, and other pressing demands can prompt employers to make rushed hiring decisions. For that reason, more companies are turning to personality assessment tools to help them with the hiring process. Now you may wonder, what does that have to do with franchising? Folks, it has everything to do with franchising. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today with Rebecca Monet. Rebecca is the CEO and chief scientist of Zoracle Profiles. She has been in the franchise consult. She has been the franchise consulting and psychometric business. That's a mouthful, I tell you. Since 1993, the Zoracle tools provide franchise companies a means to reduce training, support, and litigation costs while increasing franchisee satisfaction, validation and performance. Boy, is that a win-win situation. Help me in welcoming Rebecca to the show. Rebecca, welcome to the show today. I'm so excited to be here, Linda. I am so excited to have you here because there is so much that is come, uh, that is involved in making sure that the right person, the right personality, and the person with the right skills are in the right position. You know, when I was I was in corporate for 30 plus years, and there were so many times I thought, I think I, I don't, I think I'm doing the wrong job here. I'm doing a good job, and I'm performing, <laughs> but I just am not happy right here. And so, Rebecca, a lot of that is what you have discovered. So, talk to me a little bit about where did Zoracle come from. Where did Zoracle come from? Oh, my goodness, there's a long history behind <laughs> Zoracle. And as, as you know, Linda, I've always been fascinated with human behavior, but specifically human performance as it relates to uh, running a, a business. So my life actually started as a therapist, and all of my clients were business owners, entrepreneurs, and what was interesting to me about these business owners was what was kind of between their ears, that gray matter between their ears, and how that was creating the businesses that they 
uh, wanted to create or it wasn't creating the kind of businesses they wanted to create. So I, as a therapist, didn't deal with marital issues or child behavior issues or divorce or, you know, alcoholism. None of that was what my specialty was. My specialty was that a business owner that says, what do I have to do to be more successful? Knowing a lot of it is within me and what I'm creating. So that's where it all uh, began. And then um, one day, one of my clients says, Rebecca, this stuff that you're teaching me about values alignment and and conflicting beliefs and strategies that are incongruent and alignment with what you're designed to be, all these things that you're teaching me, can you uh, teach others in a group situation? And that ended up, uh, Linda, taking me to doing a presentation for about 300 other business owners. It was the first time I had spoken in public. And uh, if anyone knows what it feels like, I have a fear of public speaking. So that was kind of what. But I, you know, to the point you were making earlier, the minute I was on that stage and I was speaking, it was like I was meant to be. There was Mm. something just just a fit for me, and I came to my, uh, you know, full talent in that kind of uh, place. But that ended up taking me into um, consulting, uh, you know, all over the world and teaching these things all over the world. But during that whole time, um, I was always using psychographic assessments. It was always a part of my private practice as it was uh, in the, you know, doing trainings and those kinds of uh, things. But franchising, now that was a whole another story, and I had not explored the world of franchising until 1993. So, you know, when, when we're talking about this and talking about working with small business owners or prospective franchisees, it's so much more than their resume or their skills, isn't it? I agree. I agree 100% that it's more than just the resume. Um, it's all about uh, fit, the franchisee to franchise or uh, fit. You have to understand who that prospective franchisee is, and we have to understand who that franchisor uh, is. What's the culture of that franchise organization. Where are they in their evolution, their stage of growth, um, and where does that franchisee potentially fit? What are the values and the structure and the value package of that franchise system? What's required from that prospective franchisee in terms of their skills? Do they need to be good at sales? Do they need to be good at managing people? You know, do they need to have operational uh, skills? What is it they need to have to be successful at that uh, business? Because to your point, it's all about fit, kind of that right person in that right role, and it's no different in in a business. You have to have the right business owner within the right business. It could be a perfect business, right? It could be a perfect Mm -hmm. business, but you have the wrong person in it, they're going to be miserable. They're going to be unhappy. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. they're going to say, what was I thinking? And they're going to struggle, right? So it's not just about the business plan itself or the franchise itself, but it's about that individual and how they may fit. We could take that same individual that's a bad fit in one franchise concept. Mm -hmm. They struggle. They're 
performing board. And we can put them in another business, and it is exactly who they are, and they will be content and happy and, and grow uh, really solid businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, Rebecca, one of the first questions that I get so many times as a franchise broker, people will say, so what's the hottest brand out there? And my first <laughs> response is, I don't work that way. <laughs> Right. I, just, I don't work. That's that's backwards to me. It so is. you know, like you said, um, one of the hottest brands out there might be perfect for Mary, but yeah. you try to put Bob in that brand, and Bob may not do so well in that brand. Now you mentioned earlier about culture. What does that mean? So culture is really an interesting thing. Culture combines several different, I call them markers. Naturally, culture is in large part the values that an organization um, builds their system by, values such as collaboration or creativity or a family or relationship. But culture is in large part the values of an organization, but it's also the environment, the strategies, and the best practices that inspire and engage both employees and franchisees to perform optimally. I oftentimes, the way I, I you know, kind of want to get a quick feel of what a company's culture is, I will ask the franchisor or franchisees within that system, what is the franchisor rewarding? You can frequently tell uh, what a culture of an organization is by what they're rewarding. If they're only rewarding performance, numbers on the board, it's likely a culture that's highly competitive and and Mm -hmm. driven. And what's important is kind of that bottom line. If they're rewarding a sharing of best practices, mentoring one another, uh, you know, enjoying each other's company, coming to conferences, if that's what they're rewarding, then you probably have a culture that's more family-like or more mm-hmm. uh, collaborative. But I frequently just say, what are they rewarding? What are they acknowledging? What are they recognizing uh, in their employees? And in our case, of course, in franchising, uh, what are they rewarding their franchisees for doing? That'll give you a great sense of what kind of culture an organization has. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Rebecca, so many people um, probably listening may have either heard or of or taken like the Myers-Briggs or the DISC assessment. Is that what Zoracle is? Uh, so I love the Myers-Briggs and I love uh, the DISC. In fact, the DISC was the very first assessment tool I was certified in in the late 80s. Some, as you can see, fascinated with all tools. So the answer is the um, Myers-Briggs and the DISC assessment are true personality assessments. And a personality assessment is based on the idea that we are born a particular way, right? That God created us this way or the stars lined up a certain way. And this is the way we are. And so a personality test is measuring things that is believed to be innate, that we are born this way, and that will stay stable through our entire life. It's not going to change. We're going to be more extroverted 
or more introverted, as an example. So it's typically measuring what we call a five-factor model or a four-factor model uh, of certain attributes that is believed to stay consistent through life. At Zorical, we do not believe that. We believe it's a combination of nature and nurture, right? That we can evolve and we can change and we can grow and we can learn. And who we are at 30 is not who we were at five. And who we are at 50 is not who we are at 30. We, our values change, our motivations change, our skill sets change, our perspectives change, our belief system change, and even our personality from, from our research evolves and changes. We can become more uh, uh, introspective as we age, as an example, or more extroverted, as an example. So the Zorkel tool is not a personality uh, assessment. It uses seven statistically validated sciences, and it also throws in uh, the uh, William Marston's work, which is like the DISC, but we don't use it to determine fit for a prospective franchisee, where they would fit well in a franchise organization. A personality test are valuable as it relates to um, understanding someone's communication style, how to avoid conflict, how to build consensus, how to build team. So there are many good um, points of a personality assessment. And when you use a personality assessment appropriately, uh, it can uh, add a lot of value to any kind of relationship, especially an employee-employer relationship. But for what we do at Zorical, it's not enough. It's not enough to understand a prospective franchisee and where he or she is going to be a good fit within a franchise organization. So we, uh, we encourage others to have a deeper, more meaningful understanding of themselves as well as the franchise system, as well as the prospective franchisee. You know, um, Rebecca, I've heard so many people say, oh, I've taken the disc and I am uh, whatever letter I am. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, that becomes who they are. And I believe that that can limit us. You know, I think back of, you know, you were talking about we're not who we were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I remember when I was in banking, I left banking in 2004. So if someone had come to me while I was in banking and said, Linda, you will, uh, you'll have six. Um, best-selling books, you'll be an author, you'll be have a radio show, you'll be, I would say, I don't know what drugs you're on, but you need to get off of that stuff, because that is never going to happen. So not only do I speak, I actually seek out speaking opportunities. So if someone takes that assessment, and it colors all of their decisions going forward, I don't know that they ever really totally stretch themselves. And Do you see it that way? Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you articulated that. I agree completely. And that word needs to get out there, that when mm -hmm. we label, especially young people, as mm -hmm. a high I, high D, high S, high C, or any other kind of label, 
it puts them in a bucket and we begin yeah. to treat them that way and they begin to see themselves as whatever that label is and it doesn't allow them to push or see themselves in different ways and to fully express all that they are i think it is harmful to to do that never mind it's not scientific <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not scientific personality does are not scientific. There is less than a 3% correlation between someone's personality and ultimately how successful they're going to be or what careers that they're going to go. It's just not a, a, a valid science to play with. So you got them labeled, which prevents them from stretching themselves. Thank goodness you didn't allow yourself to do that. Um, and, you know, I think it's harmful, especially mm-hmm. for young people. I mm-hmm. think it's, it's harmful. Um, and, and it's funny because uh, some time back, I was talking to a very, very successful uh, franchise development guy. This is a sales guy. Mm-hmm. And um, he was saying, Rebecca, I'm a high S and I'm a high C. Um, and I was told I would never succeed in sales because supposedly it's a high I, high influence uh, that would be a great salesperson. And I can't tell you how many organizations use the DISC and other tools right. uh, and say, oh, you got this pattern, therefore you're going to be a great salesperson or a great engineer or a great this kind of thing. So here was a guy who had no eye and yet was one of the top sales uh, uh, people in our you know, vertical franchising and so I showed him research after research after research that suggested how faulty that logic was, that if you're extroverted and gregarious and friendly and people-oriented, somehow that was going to make you a great salesperson. If the product or service you're selling is high ticket, high credibility, high authority, requires high transparency, in this case, uh, franchise sales, where you're asking someone to invest their life savings and a future into something that requires great transparency, great credibility, great authority. The introvert is much better at that Mm -hmm. type of sales, that someone who is a uh, gregarious and outgoing and life of the party kind of individual will come across as puffed up and uh, lacking authority or credibility. So yeah. we got to be careful. And I'm sorry, I'm going on and on about. This. No, I no, I love that because you know, as you're describing that, I'm thinking of times where I've met someone and they did have that personality, that um, that over the top kind of personality. And I felt a little, uh, it, it made me relate them to a used car salesman. And I know, folks, don't send me any hate mail. It was just <laughs> the way I felt in the moment because it felt too much for me. I am not that over the top. It was too much, and mm-hmm. I wanted to back up. So um, I I can definitely see where that would come to play. And it doesn't it also make a difference. Your presentation makes a difference uh, or should be customized for the person standing in front of you. So if you're over the top, you may not pick up some of those subtle um, signals that the person in front of you is sending, right? 
Right. And that brings up an excellent point. To, to us at Zoracle, we call that emotional and social intelligence. The ability to read those social cues. What does that gesture mean? Why did that person use that word three times? Uh, Why uh. did their tone of voice change? What's that facial expression mean? How come the energy just shifted? So it's our ability to have sensory acuity and pick up on those cues for, from another human being and adapt our communication and our interaction so this individual can feel comfortable and we can build rapport and build trust that we can then help them get where they want to go. That's emotional mm-hmm. and social intelligence. We need to know, does someone have that level of transparency, authenticity, empathy, influence, these other softer markers, uh, the social awareness where they can pick up on those cues uh, so they can better communicate and get someone across that, that finish mm-hmm. line. And again, this is, this is why Zorkel uses the seven statistically validated sciences, a meta-analysis approach, because if we only looked at personality, we might have someone who appears they could be a great communicator, great salesperson, because they are personable and they're friendly and all of those kinds of things, but they lack sensory acuity. They lack empathy. They lack transparency. They lack the ability to build consensus or deal with con- uh, a conflict. If they don't have those abilities also, then you have somebody that you like, but not necessarily someone you would do business mm. with. Mm, most definitely. You know, and as you're describing that, I'm thinking even within industry. So someone who is high energy and, um, you know, they are gregarious, they might do really well in the fitness industry. But mm. if you put them in home health, you know, a family is, doesn't really want someone that's bouncing off the walls come in and talk to them about a, a loved one that is needing um, needing some one-on-one help. You know, I really don't want you slinging my grandma around when you know I've turned her over to you. So even though those are those personalities are so drastically different, I think that the industry as well. Um, does have a certain profile that they mm-hmm. want uh, to be represented, especially in a franchise, right? Yes. Excellent point. It depends on the franchise system, uh, and it depends on what that franchisee needs to do when they're in that system, who and what it requires to fit within that organization. And you gave a classic example of someone who's high energy and outgoing who um, might not be a good fit for a business that requires, you know, a gentler approach, a more serious uh, approach. So, which is why it's so important to understand both sides of the equation. Who is this prospective franchisee? What does he or she value? Um, What kind of culture will he or she fit in? The business itself, what does it look like? What's its pace? How many employees are we going to be managing? Can they do that? What are their skills? What are their needs and wants? And then on the franchisor side, 
what's the size of that franchise or what are the systems and processes that they're bringing to the table? Can this franchisee uh, work within that particular uh, stage of growth or systems as they are as an, and they continue to evolve? So it's so important to understand both sides of the equation because, as you know, it's, it's a marriage. It's a marriage that's mm-hmm. going to last a few, few years, and we don't want our, our prospective franchisee to be unhappy um, and to invest that kind of time and energy uh, into something that ultimately is not going to bring the satisfaction and the financial results that they, that they deserve. Right. And we also don't want the franchisor to bring someone on who may do, uh, may not do their brand justice, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's what franchising is about, right? It's mm-hmm. about brand equity. We are buying into the equity that that brand has by the consistency of their system, the consistency of the the, uh, the branding itself and what it means to the end uh, user. Uh, so if we find a franchisee that may be, let's say, a, an innovator, an out-of-the-box thinker, someone that likes pushing the envelope, you know, he's a pioneer. If we took that uh, that individual and we stuck them in a franchise system that was what we call a plug-and-play or even an empire business mm-hmm. where the systems are already buttoned down and you, you need to embrace them, you need to leverage them, there's no room for crazy innovation, and you're going to be more successful if you leverage those systems, we're going to put that innovative, out-of-the-box thinker, trendsetter, first-to-market kind of guy in a business, he's going to be miserable, and that franchisor is going to say, whoa, 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 he's Mr. Wild Wild West. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we can't have him stirring stirring the pot. So both the franchisor and the franchisee are going to feel this misalignment and be completely uncomfortable. But that yeah. that innovator, that out-of-the-box thinker, that early adopter is going to be great in an early-stage franchise organization yeah. where that franchisor goes, we're looking for risk takers. We're looking mm-hmm. for, you know, those trendsetters. We're looking for people that will share their best practices. There's a perfect mm-hmm. franchise for that individual. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very good point there. You know, Rebecca, I need to take a real quick commercial break. but And we've kind of been talking in generality, but when we come back from commercial break, would you happen to have some real stories you could share with us? Sure. Wonderful. Folks, we're going to take a real quick commercial break, and we will be back with Rebecca Monet of Zorical Profiles. Ready to update your tired old kitchen or bathroom? Then you need to call Gambone's Custom Home Improvements. Gambone's does all phases of remodeling, specializing in kitchen and bath remodels. Gambone's Custom Home Improvements is a company you can trust. Family owned and operated with an A-plus rating with a BBB. Call Gambone's today, 832-437-8898, or check them out on the web at GamboneCHI.com. That's GamboneCHI.com. Gambone's Custom Home Improvements, where you will get quality work at a quality price. Tune in 
every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. to Tough Talk Christian Radio with Tony Gambone. Tough Talk Christian Radio is for those who want to share and receive expressions of faith that will help you take the next step in your relationship with Christ. Listen in to hear from others about their experiences of faith and the love of Christ. Call in to share your experiences at 347-989-1363. Learn more by going to toughtalkchristianradio.com. Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. Linda Ballesteros is a catalyst to becoming a business owner through franchising. Whether you are looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America, change your lifestyle, allowing you to enjoy the fun things in life, or if you're looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come, contact Linda today to start the process of being your own boss. Linda at EmpowerFranchiseConsulting.com, 832-640-4922. Hey folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. Linda Ballesteros here, and my guest is Rebecca Monet of Zorical Profile. So Rebecca, when we broke for commercial break, I asked if you happen to have some stories you could tell us. <laughs> yeah, there's always stories in our, our business. Um, I actually have two stories, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Uh, one, is a, one is a franchisee story, and one is a franchisor uh, story. So um, a, a couple of years back, one of my franchise brokers that's using the Zorkle, uh tools called me and he says, Rebecca, I, I got a friend who has bought three different franchise concepts. Each time he bought a regional development opportunity, which for those oh, of you wow. that aren't familiar with that, yeah, I mean, we're talking massive amounts of territory he had bought. And this friend obviously had more money than you and I put together, but Mm. nonetheless, he bought three different concepts over a period of a handful of years, and every time he failed. And now he was asking his friend, who had recently become a franchise broker, to buy another uh, business. And of course, the franchise broker goes, whoa, 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 until I understand more why you failed at three others and what's going to make you a good fit. I don't even want to deal with you, right? I want to know mm-hmm. why you failed at three other uh, businesses. So suffice it to say, we ran a Zorical uh, assessment on him, and he came back as what we call an, an emulator belonger, and he fit into a stage four or stage five business. And just to kind of give you briefly what that means, an emulator is someone that um, is uh, confident and capable. Uh, they're looking for something prestigious and sexy and status-driven. They love recognition. They're innovative. They're out-of-the-box thinkers. They typically are attracted to early-stage uh, franchise uh, organizations. But he also scored in a, what we call a stage four or stage five business. A stage four business is an empire franchise. That is your largest one or two brands within a vertical. So if you're thinking food, you're thinking Subway and you're thinking McDonald's. If you're thinking signage, as an example, you're thinking fast signs and some of those kinds of uh, concepts. So suffice it to say, each of the three concepts that he looked at 
were regional development opportunities, which are typically made available to franchisees when a franchisor is in their early stages, when they're wanting to grow market share and they basically give up larger territories and then that franchisee provides uh, parts of those territories to other franchisees. He actually sells it off. So this emulator side of him, this early adopter, sexy new business, each of these businesses were very unique and interesting businesses. They weren't, you know, a car repair businesses or home painting businesses. These were sexy businesses, for lack of a better way uh, mm-hmm. to describe them. And so he was attracted because of these values he had, this emulator side of him that goes, oh, I get all this opportunity. I'll be the first to market. I'll, I'll be able to go to the country club and talk about this cool new high-tech business that I'm in. But what he didn't realize was he's a stage four franchisee, which means he required structure. He required system. He required brand recognition. So these two things were incongruous in many, many ways. He needed something that was unique and different and out of the box, but he also needed something that had some strong uh, support and training and processes in, in place. So everything he was attracted to was not necessarily what was good for him. It's kind of like dating, right? Sometimes we're attracted mm-hmm. to the wrong man or the wrong woman based on our values, based on what we think is cool and what we think is attractive, but it's not necessarily marital um, material for us, and this was uh, similar. Anyway, by looking at these two parts of him, this part that needed something high-tech, uh, unique, interesting, prestigious, status-driven, but also something that was stable and consistent and had some processes, uh, the broker was able to find him a business that combined those two uh, two things. And um, ultimately, he was very successful at the the next business he bought. But sometimes it's just knowing who we are, right? Knowing that oftentimes what we're attracted to is not necessarily what's right for us, which is why hiring a good uh, franchise broker is so important and why using a tool to find out who you are is also uh, important. So that's one story on the franchisee side. It's nice to see him having great success right now um, by simply better understanding who he was. Rebecca, let me also ask you, we've been talking about the, the Zorical profile of prospective franchisees. Um, now, is, does it make sense for the franchisor to actually uh, have their own profile? Yeah. Yeah. So with the franchisor, I absolutely recommend it, Linda. The best way to do that is to assess the current franchisees to determine what separates your A players from your B players and your C players. So you want to assess as many of your franchisees as possible using as many sciences as uh, possible to see how as a whole they might be similar and how they might be different based on their performance. You might Mm -hmm. see that your high performers possess uh, different skills or they 
are, are creating a different kind of culture or subculture at their location. Or you might see that they possess certain emotional and so, uh, social intelligence markers to a higher degree or lesser degree than your B players and your C players. So creating an ideal uh, profile of your franchisee uh, profile needs to be based on research and who your high performers currently are. Um, and then as prospective franchisees come in, you can compare your prospective franchisee to your high performers to see mm -hmm. are they indeed similar to your high performers. Will they have the highest likelihood to be a good fit and ultimately perform well within your system? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and you know it as well as I do, Rebecca, that there are some franchisors out there that just really hold a mirror up. Um, and as long as uh, someone can fog the mirror, then they're probably a good perspective for them. But it all it doesn't turn out that way. So I know you said that you had another story to share with us. Tell us about that. Oh, the, <laughs> which is actually to your point. Uh, uh, a franchisor story. So I got a call, and this is a franchisor in Texas. You may even know him, Linda. But <laughs> I'm going to call him Bubba for for lack of a <laughs> you know, for privacy. Well, and, and it would be private, Rebecca. We have lots of Bubbas here in Texas. <laughs> That's kind of what I was thinking. So, so Bubba, <laughs> Bubba calls me uh, uh, sometime back. It's been almost a year ago now, and he says. Uh, I understand you're in the profiling business. And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm in the profiling business. And he says, can you tell me if your profiling tool will let me know if I have a turn for a franchisee? And, of course, that's not language I would use. You know me well enough about that. <laughs> you are clearly quoting Bubba. <laughs> I said, well, well, sir, I need to know what you mean by by turd, you know, <laughs> before I can tell you if this Oracle tool can discern if you're going to get a turd from this franchise. So he began to describe, you know, he stinks. He never takes responsibility. He doesn't follow the system. And he just goes on and on and on about what <laughs> made a franchisee a turd within his uh, system. But anyway, it was I had to put myself on mute several times while I was talking to him because he had this heavy, heavy southern accent, and he kept using this word over and over again, and I'm just having a hard time not laughing. And at the same time, trying to, you know, be stoic and sympathetic and empathetic. And at the end of it, when he describes everything that was making franchisees a turd within his system, I was able to say, yes, Bubba, our assessment will help you determine if someone is going to be a turd within your system. <laughs> our tool helps you determine if a franchisee is going to be a good fit and if they have what it takes to be a good franchisee within in the system. But his, his voice, uh, Linda, still rings in my head, and every time I think of him, I think... Oh my goodness! Uh, but he was clear. He let me know. He let me know what was a poor fit for him. <laughs> oh my goodness, that does crack me up, and I probably do know who that is. But I think is... you probably know who it is. Yes. 
And, and, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that franchisor having a clear vision of who they want uh, to bring in and be a franchisee because it is their brand. Um, and having a tool like Zoracle can certainly help that franchisor to, um, to identify those specific characteristics and skills that they perceive to make a really good, successful franchisee in their organization, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And the more the franchisor is clear on that, what exactly makes for a good fit, they can quantify it, they can delineate it, they can demarcate it. That's what they need to do. What skills are required and to what degree? Do they need to be good leaders? Do they need to be good at building team? Do they need to be good at conflict management? Do they need to have high transparency, high trust, high credibility? Do they need to be uh, folks that are networking? Are they dealing with individuals uh, at different levels? One minute maybe with a doctor, the next minute with a child. What mm -hmm. does this franchisee need to do? What are my systems like? How much do they need to comply with with that? What's my culture like? Where am I in my evolution as a franchise system? Am I a plug and play? Am I an early stage franchise organization? Where am I? Who's going to be a good fit within that? And that brings up that whole other uh, idea. Humans evolve and change. That's my belief, that we grow, mm -hmm. we evolve, we mature. God is not through with us yet, not till the day we die and we, mm -hmm. we go to be with him. Um, on, on the other hand, the franchise is evolving and changing and growing and bringing on new leadership and bringing on new systems and new marketing strategies and new products. It's evolving. So a franchisee that may have been a good fit 10 years ago may no longer be a good fit. They may mm -hmm. now begin to go, oh, you know what, this whole system has changed. I'm not so comfortable uh, anymore. And we need to address that also, that who we are bringing in at year 10 or 15 is going to be different than who we needed a few years back as a franchisor. And franchisees need to know that um, also, that it's all about fit. Ultimately, mm -hmm. when you're wearing the right size tennis shoes, you're going to run faster mm -hmm. than if you're wearing mm -hmm. the wrong size tennis. Absolutely, especially if you've got the ones that light up. I think those make you run faster <laughs> as well. So, Rebecca, one of the things that you kind of brought up that I, that made me think of last year, 2020. So, folks, if you're listening to this recording, it's May 25th of 2021. So, last year, businesses a lot of business, a lot of industries took a hard hit. So do you think that uh, going forward that more and more prospective franchisees will ask franchisors, what did you do in 2020 to support your folks? I think that's a wise question. I think that's mm -hmm. a very wise question. It will tell you how they operate under stress. Everything's cool when it's, you know, going along, chugging along, right? And no real catastrophe has happened. But when you can see how a franchisor has responded 
to the uh, pandemic or any other kind of crisis situation. It tells you an incredible amount about their leadership. It tells you an incredible amount about their values, their character, where they're going in the future, and what you can anticipate as a franchisee with that franchisor's leadership and, and direction. And I'm telling you, uh, franchisors have handled this pandemic beautifully. Many of them have. A few, of course, could have done a better job. In hindsight, is always 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's a, a great question to ask if you're considering going into business. How did you handle the pandemic? What changed? Uh, what evolved? How are you coming out of it? Mm-hmm. Now, do you see that um, that the pandemic was um, was I don't want to say received, but they, that the franchise uh, industry was able to absorb the the hit um, better than independent business owners. How how do you think they fared against each other? Franchising does so well in crises um, and change uh, for a lot a lot of reasons. The franchisor's job is to keep their finger on the pulse of the market. What's going on with technology? What's going on with financing? What's going on in the world, uh, world market? What new products and services are there? The whole focus of the franchisor is to stay three steps ahead of where the franchisee is. So they're always thinking down the road. Uh, they're doing R&D. They're doing re- uh, research in terms of, uh, various ways to uh, increase unit level economics and grow uh, the system. And the franchisor can then have their head down focusing on their local market, taking care of the customers, right, and taking care of their employees. So franchising did really well during this pandemic because the two did what they needed to do. The franchisee was doing everything possible to continue to take care of their employees and their end users, and the franchisor went into problem solving and strategy thinking and moving the ship as it needed to be um, moved. Uh, and it's difficult for an independent owner-operator that doesn't have the power of a franchise behind them to be able to juggle all of those things at the same time, to be taking care of this business at hand, his customers, his employees, at the same time, you know, looking at, okay, where's opportunity? What other things can I do? It's a lot for a single person uh, Mm -hmm. to do. So uh, franchising fared very well during this uh, this time. Uh, In fact, we're seeing a whole lot of independent business owners coming over to franchising that may have been (laughs) hesitant before saying, oh, now I see the benefit of Mm -hmm. franchise or and being right. part of a collaborative effort. Right, exactly, exactly. And I've got some bad news, Rebecca. We are coming down close mm-hmm. to the end to the show, and it's, and I am just loving this conversation, so I'm certainly going to invite you to come back and, and so we can continue this conversation in the future. But uh, if someone's listening, before we get to those final three questions, if someone's listening and you've intrigued them, how would they get in touch with you? How would they find out more about the Zoracle Profiling? So go to our website, zoracleprofiles.com would be the best way. Or get hold of me 
um, on uh, LinkedIn, Rebecca Monet, M-O-N-E-T, like this famous Claude Monet painter, mm -hmm. um, or reach me directly at Rebecca at Zorkle, Z-O-R-A-K-L-E dot net. Wonderful. So, Rebecca, we're down to those final three questions. And the first one is, if there is someone listening who is considering purchasing a franchise, what would you suggest they do to prepare for the process? Um, know thyself. Mm. Know thyself, right? Because the temptation is to go into the familiar, to go back to what you've already, uh, we always snap back into a comfort zone. So know yourself. Ask someone to run a good psychographic assessment so you can see who you are, what's important to you, what your attributes and skills are. Um, and secondly, I would recommend you get a great advisor, someone that can come alongside of you, be a cheerleader, be a coach, be an advisor, be unbiased, gives you feedback. Um, uh, find a good broker that can help you. So know yourself, first and foremost. That would be true in just about anything, especially if you're going into a partnership. And then find someone you can trust uh, that can come alongside of you that will give you some honest feedback and take you on the right course. Yeah, it's quite, uh, it could be quite overwhelming for someone who just um, decides to do their research on the internet because, you know, the great thing about the internet, there's really so much information. And the downside is there is so much information. It can be so overwhelming. And you don't know what, what to believe, what not to believe. You, you really, it, it can be uh, too much for someone to take a journey on their own. So the next question here, Rebecca, is what are two traits that make a successful franchisee? Well, as you know, this is what I study, um, mm -hmm. is uh, performance and franchisees, and there are many traits, um, but the two that always sort of stick out for me is the ability to delay gratification. Um, if you are someone that needs instant gratification, you're not likely wired to be a, a franchisee or a business owner in general. This marker and this marker alone, there's all kinds of research on. An individual who's able to delay gratification, let's say that's not to eat that chocolate cake or to save that money for a rainy day and invest it or to exercise or to do daily in a business what needs to be done, knowing you are planting seeds every day and your harvest is going to come down the road. But this marker and this marker alone, the ability to delay gratification is going to take you uh, a long way towards success. But it's only if you're also um, someone that has initiative, which would be the second marker I would look at. If you are regularly capable of taking initiative, initiative is a form of courage. Initiative allows us to do what we need to do day in, day out, even when it's boring, even when we don't always know what we're doing, even though we don't feel confident or we even want to do it. Initiative is going to do day in and day out what it needs to do to get to a certain re result. So these two 
markers initiative combined with the ability to delay gratification, meaning I'm not going to eat that chocolate cake or I'm not going to mark myself off the calendar for half the day. Instead, I'm going to make those phone calls or go to that chamber meeting. I'm going to do what I need to do to build the business. Those two things will take you a long way uh, to success. Mm, most definitely. You know, one of the things that I tell some of the uh, my clients is that owning a business or a franchise, it's not like a vending machine. So you don't go up to the vending machine, put in a couple of hours work <laughs> and get a paycheck uh, immediately. Nope. So that's that instant gratification that you're talking about. That's not the way that works at all. And, um, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with someone being a really good employee because I don't Not know that everyone all. is cut out to be a, uh, a business owner, would you say? I agree. I agree. Some people will actually build their wealth through being agile, what I call corporate ladder climbers. They're agile. Yep. They're smart. They're going to build their wealth by staying in that corporate uh, environment. Um, so there's nothing wrong with that. Just know know yourself. If that's where you're going to be strong, then that's where you stay. If you have some of these other skills to be an entrepreneur and a business owner, then take step out of your, outside your comfort zone and check it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, the final question here is, what does the future of franchising look like? I know you've been in that franchising community for quite some time, and you've probably seen a lot of changes What do you see the franchise industry looking like going forward? Well, I think we're all adapting to this next couple of generations that are starting to come into the world of franchising. Uh, Millennials, of course, have uh, been stepping into the uh, space of franchising for a while, and they have a whole different way of looking uh, at the world. They're high-tech individuals, as is the Xer right behind them. They're high-tech individuals, but they value uh, work-life balance, right? Mm-hmm. And they uh, want to make a difference. So it's not just about making money. Earlier generations, I'm part of the baby boomer generation, it was mm-hmm. about building an empire, right? And it was mm-hmm. about dominating, and it was about making money and going to the bank and all of those things. Uh, the, gen- the millennial generation and the X generation is saying, you know, I want to work 15, 20 hours a week max, and I want to have a big impact on the world, and I want to make as much as my, my parents and my grandparents, if not more, but I want to do it mm-hmm. more effortlessly. So um, I think franchisors are going to have to rethink some of their business models where those business models are more flexible. What that's going to look like, I don't know. I have a sense it might actually be kind of like a job share situation, um, uh, but it would be a business share where maybe someone uh, who's looking for more of this work-life balance buys a business with three of his fraternity brothers. Nice. And one quarter, mm-hmm. one quarter he's the CEO and he's running the business, and the next quarter somebody else is. But I have a feeling it's going to be a lot more about some uh, partnerships and uh, building team and uh, cross-training that's going to uh, have to happen where we can still be entrepreneurs because being a business owner is, is 24-7, at least for those first few years. And these last couple of generations don't have that same energy or that same kind of drive or that same kind of commitment. So I think franchisors are going to have to adapt 
and create business models that are more flexible. And I think franchisees need to be open to uh, partnerships um, and a way that they can divide and conquer. So it may no longer be an owner-operator uh, model. It may be a team model that gets created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, something I'm noticing also with franchisors as I interview them is that many of them, not all of them, but many of them um, are also working with their franchisees to give back to the community. And mm-hmm. that, that looks different in, in every different brand and concept. Some of them say on this day of the month, a certain percentage of those revenues go to this nonprofit. And yeah, others I think are that's encouraged. I, I think so as well. And I and like you said, I do believe more and more of the millennials are going to be looking at those. And franchisors, if you're listening to me out there, that could be the deciding factor. That yep. one it, it absolutely is. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is, and it needs to be included, and there's a different way to do it. If the product or service isn't a life-changing, paradigm-changing, contributory kind of business, then there's other ways to bring in more that societal, make a difference, have, a, have an impact kind of thing. Like you said, a percentage of the proceeds going to certain causes, um, charities, etc. So there's mm-hmm. definitely that part that needs to be uh, included. Rebecca, I have so enjoyed this, and I don't even want it to end, uh, but it looks like our time is up. One more time, if someone wants more information about you, about Zoracle, where would they go to find that? So the best way is I'll go directly to ZoracleProfiles.com on the website. By the way, you guys can take the assessment there if you're on the site. Um, also, you can reach me, of course, through LinkedIn, Rebecca Monet, M-O-N-E-T, spelled just like Claude Monet, uh, the famous impressionist painter. Uh, and then you can reach me directly at Rebecca at Zorkel.net. Wonderful. Rebecca, thanks so much for being on the show today. And I really look forward to uh, following you and hopefully we can meet at one of the upcoming expos now that we're meeting in person again, right? I know. I can't wait. (laughs) I know. I I miss you. (laughs) I miss you as well. So uh, thanks again for being on the show and we'll certainly stay in touch. All right. Thank you, Linda. Absolutely. So, folks, you know, you can see how important it is that when you're looking for an opportunity, and it doesn't matter whether it's a job, whether it's a career, whether it is starting your own business or plugging into a franchise, it's really important. It's critical to your success to make sure that that's aligned with um, with the way that you think about things, the way that you process things. I want to uh, read you this quote. You know I always leave you with a quote. It goes like this. The greatest challenge of any recruitment company is attracting quality candidates. There's a very good reason for this difficulty for any business, regardless of its industry. Bad hires are nightmares. Good hires are gold dust. And that's, that's um, it's a quote by unknown. But I have to tell you that Rebecca finds that gold dust. Make sure that you don't get any of those nightmares. Folks, thanks again for joining me on All Things Franchising, and I'll see you next time. 
Another great episode of All Things Franchising is now in the books. You can listen to past shows by following All Things Franchising on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for joining us today. And be sure not to miss us next time when we bring you a brand new episode of All Things Franchising.